This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 56, recorded on the 9th of October, 2013. Today's topic, combating communicable diseases at summer camp. If you'd like easy, automatic, free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe in iTunes, the BlackBerry Podcast Directory, or the Stitcher app. Search for Camp Hacker. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored in part by the Camp Owners and Directors Association. You provide quality camp experiences for children, helping them grow and gain independence. We help you achieve your vision. Check us out at CampOwnersAndDirectors.com. And by the Camp Hacker Catalyst Playbook Report, an easy-to-understand measurement of your online marketing efforts. The Catalyst Playbook includes a one-hour consultation at no extra cost. Go to zoic.ca slash playbookoffer. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. I'm Travis Allison. I run a blog about running a great summer camp at camphacker.tv. Hi, my name is Gabrielle, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. Camp Waro is an all-girls camp situated in northern Quebec, and I'm speaking to you from Montreal. Hello, everyone. My name is Marty Ferguson. I'm the director at Camp Chief Ure, which is part of YMCA, the Rockies, and we are located in uh, Granby, Colorado. Awesome. John? Hello, everyone. I'm, uh, my name is John McDonald. I'm a retired public health inspector. Uh, Manager of Health Protection for many, many, many years, too many years that I want to recall, but uh, nice to meet you. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're going to be talking about communicable diseases today, which is why I brought in my stepdad, John. Um, and Marty has quite a story to tell about that as well. I think that Dan and Joe will be joining us. Dan has confirmed that he'll be calling in in a little bit. Um, and we'll get his perspective on some things. But before we get too far into the topic, I want to um, just get a bit more information about Marty and John, who are joining us for the first time. So, Marty, you're at Camp Chief Ure. Is that where you grew up at camp? Um, I actually started at uh, YMCA Camp Nisikone in Michigan, which is part of the, um, the Detroit YMCA Association. And um, I didn't actually go to camp as a kid. I'm the, a rarity in that yes. I'm a camp director who never went to camp as a kid. Um, but I started as a 20-year-old counselor at Camp Nisikone, worked there for two summers, and uh, then uh, worked at a day camp in North Carolina, which is where I'm originally from. Yeah. And um, then a good friend of mine and I, we, we uh, searched for a place in the country we wanted to live and a camp that was located there, and, and uh, the rest is history. I've, I've been at Camp Chief Ure since 1995. That's awesome. That's great. Um, well, Marty, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Uh, we're going to hear a bit more about your own experiences with this topic. Uh, Thank you. But I want to also give John a chance to say hello. Um, and mm -hmm. so, John, you said you're a health inspector for a long time. Long time, um, yes. In uh, two different counties? Uh, actually, it was three, three different counties. I started way back when... Uh, in 1972 with the County Health Department and uh, I worked my way up to um, manager health protection after many years. Uh, retired after 30 years, uh, had some health problems and uh, I loved the job so much I went back uh, to two other uh, 
County Health Departments, one, one in London, Ontario, one just down the road in Holloway, Norfolk County. Uh, I spent, I guess, 10 years at those uh, two health units doing staff work and uh, right back to talking to the people and helping the people out, but uh, it was uh, very enjoyable. Uh, and after that, I uh, had had enough and uh, let the young people take over and uh, <laughs> I'm fully retired. Yes. So John's been a, a great asset to me in my camp career because we've had, um, you know, obviously, questions about our kitchen, et cetera. I could always call John, but one particular incident, we had a cook who quit at breakfast time one day and we had to bring in a, it took us a day to find the next cook, which was a, a, a camp alumni, counselor alumni, um, who was a teacher and graciously said, sure, I'll come and cook for a month for you. Um, and so we asked John to come up and, and give Dale some um, hints and tips on how to do it safely. And uh, so that's why I've asked John to be here. Also, I've said this to this crew before, but I haven't said it on, on the recording, that um, <clears throat> I've talked to John before about how I think that the community of camp um, is such a great spot for, um, I think, for study and education for people who do public health because it's such a, a little small community of things. Mm -hmm. Which call it a closed cohort? It's a a, a closed cohort yeah. that um, you can you can monitor very easily for right. the for the most part. Yeah. Uh, so we've got lots of stuff to, to talk about today. Um, bring this up because uh, I know that I've been through um, a number of communicable diseases at camp before. Um, we had a kid show up on opening day with his parents, who the nurse heard him cough and said, "You have whooping cough." take your pertussis home um, and um, and other things. And I know that it's a, an issue that can have such a strong impact on camps. And a lot of camps, I think, are completely unprepared. I think that they um, are just going along blindly until a disease, something communicable that hits them, whether it's foodborne or, or otherwise, and, and go from there. It, then they're just forced to deal with it. So I want to give people some ways to deal with that ahead of time. So, Cab, have you ever had stuff go through at Waro? Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, yes, we have. Um, and some of those those things happened and, and um, really put in place a lot of our prevention um, protocols that we have now. And um, I think it was probably the second year that we owned the camp that we had uh, had um, a stomach flu. Um and it was, it, it just hit so rapidly. I remember that it started about 11 in the evening and then by the morning time, there was at least 20 people that were in the health center and in some of the, the uh, buildings that we, that we used um, that had washrooms for, for um, our staff and our, our campers. And now our, our kid, now our families have to fill out a health form and they have to present the health health form as they drive into camp. Um, if there's anybody that had a cold, had the stomach flu within the last, I think it's 48 hours. And, um, and they, and, and we have a spot for cars that haven't filled out that form. It's very, very, it's, it's, it's almost like going through, like, have you visited a farm in the pat in your yeah. visits? But, yeah. or if, if did, was anybody in your family that was sick? And then if somebody was sick, usually we do turn them away. And then we have a different protocol for our international, um, um, clients. Right. Cause obviously some of them fly from far and they could get sick over that time, but that has made a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, go ahead. Tim. That was uh, that's something that Travis and I were talking about just before we went, went on air. That uh, that is very very prudent, and you really don't know whether in that situation whether somebody was bringing something into into camp or received that problem at camp. So I think that's being very very prudent. That's good protocol. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That's great. It was it was one of our camp doctors that came up with it, and um, and she we we're lucky to have her as a staff member before, and sent, she sent her kids to our camp. But that was her and our and our director basically that. Uh, came up with that, and it's it really has made a difference. But to be honest, the first two years that we did it, um, families weren't pleased or happy about about yeah. this protocol, and now they're just used to it. But um, we've had kids drive in, and their eyes are all puffy and red, and their noses are running, and you can just, they're gray faced, and we're just like, this is not. They have to go back home. So, um, and you know. That's, that's made a big difference. Or the brother was sick and the parents are like, no, no, she's fine. She's fine. They're honest on their phone, which was nice. Yeah. And then it's, it so happens that within uh, that afternoon, she's sick at home and they call and they say, you know what, she is sick and we're going to keep her for a couple of days. So um, it has really worked out for us. Yeah. But I'm excited to hear about what would what to do when, um, if, you know, you, you, you know, there's cracks and the you yeah. know it's, people get sick. They do. Staff have days off. They go off camp. We're not completely isolated. Yes. So I'm interested in hearing what you have to say, John, about some sure. of the preventions and yeah, sure. how to take care of these people. Yeah. So, Marty, the reason that I ask you to come on is because I know that Camp Chief Area has um, has developed some protocols based on some experiences, uh, and I want to ask you about that. Um, we are we're mostly talking about communicable diseases but and John pointed out to me that there are a number of ways that these things can travel through the camp and there could be a, a number of entrance points water supply being one um, and John you said that the kitchen's the most common place for oh by all means actually I, I would look at it in three different terms I would say environmental uh, and environmental mean if um, as the children are out in the woods and somebody two or three of them are starting to eat berries they shouldn't be right. you know um, the second is is the water and the third is is the food, which is primary as far as we're concerned, because that's what uh, the cohort is going to be partaking of every single day. Yeah. So of all those different sources, um, it, it, no, Marty, I, I want to know what sort of took you down this path of awareness and developing stuff for for your camp. Uh, yeah, well, we um, I was first promoted to camp director in the fall of 2003. And my so my second summer as camp director in 2005, we had an outbreak of norovirus, um, also known as the cruise ship virus. And um, we worked closely with our local health department to try to determine um, uh, the source. And after a lengthy investigation, they, they never actually discovered um, during that outbreak who patient zero was. Um, but uh, with norovirus, um, what, what was explained to me by health department officials is that uh, with norovirus, there's um, uh, vomiting, diarrhea. Um, and so if I'm in the vicinity of someone who vomits and I, and I can smell their vomit, I am literally ingesting uh, norovirus and, and, um, and I'm immediately exposed. And um, so it was for us our check-in days are on Sundays and on um, Tuesday evening we had um, several people who began uh, exhibiting symptoms 
And by Wednesday morning, about half of camp uh, was exhibiting symptoms. And um, I, I didn't really know anything about norovirus at that uh, point in time. And um, we, we tried to soldier through the week and, you know, we sent uh, several uh, campers home. We kept a lot of campers here. We basically had triage at our camp health center. And the, um, it was by Wednesday afternoon, we were talking to the local health department officials and um, they came out to camp. Our, our local medical clinic about 10 miles down the road um, sent out a couple of nurses to just kind of help with the triage. Um, and uh, so we, we, we made it through that week. Um, you know, the kids checked out and went home. We, we were very transparent with all of our parents and, and sent out communications about what was going on at camp. And um, we tried to open that next week. And again, by Tuesday, um, you know, within two days of the check-in, uh, most of camp was sick again. And that's when we made the decision to, um, in conjunction with the health department, to, um, to close camp until we could get well. We sent all the kids home, um, treated the staff for, for signs and symptoms, and basically waited until everybody was well and reopened that next week. In addition, during this entire time period, we were we were bleaching everything in sight. Yeah. Um, you know, with the, the recommended bleach water mix that the the health uh, department um, uh, recommended for us, and um, we had, and then we were able to to make it through the remainder of that summer. It was a really humbling experience because you certainly don't want um, uh, campers and parents and the general public thinking that uh, you know. Uh, your camp is not a clean camp or there's something that's going wrong in the camp kitchen or there's something wrong with the water or anything like that. Um, and, you know, so pretty humbling experience. Um, and like I said, with that investigation, the health department never actually discovered who patient zero was. Yeah. Yeah. In 2008, we had another outbreak. Um, a, a poor uh, camper who checked in on Sunday was not feeling well. And our nurses determined, well, you know, it's, it's probably car sickness. Um, she's probably okay to be here. And at dinner on Sunday night, she vomited in the dining hall. So instantly, everyone who was in the dining hall was exposed. Yeah. And, um, and that was our second outbreak. And because we had been through it one time before, um, you know, we contacted the health department again and worked with them again. But we, we knew all the procedures and protocols they had recommended previously and uh, followed those to a T. We went ahead and, and didn't try to make it through that week. We went ahead and sent campers home and shut down camp um, and were able to open the next week and, and finish out the summer healthy. Um, but from those two experiences, we learned so much about um, uh, daily cleaning, daily hygiene, um, that maybe we weren't practicing as thoroughly before. And um, you know, one way I, I put it with the staff is you have to be militant about hand washing for yourself and your campers. Um, and through these experiences, we set up some new hand washing procedures and hand washing stations as the kids are coming into the dining hall and that sort of thing. So, yeah, there, there was just a long laundry list of, of things we learned from those unpleasant experiences. Yeah, we, we've, uh, through the health departments in many years, have seen uh, many of Norwalk uh, uh, problems uh, at primarily at nursing homes and retirement homes and the closed co uh, cohort in those uh, facilities. And the thing that we always asked first was, and it's part of Norwalk, uh, 
uh, is the fact that it's an explosive diarrhea. We're not, we always ask them, was it was a diarrhea explosive? And that's yeah. a, a, a cue for us. And uh, we sort of quarantine the people in the building, if you will, and obviously the public couldn't get in. But I think it's it's prudent to get the health departments involved right away. And I think that's part of due diligence in, uh, of the camp. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would I would add on to that, that um, I've talked to other camp directors who um, might see the health department as as almost the enemy. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. scary when the health department is coming to camp. And, um, you know, as, as a young camp director in 2005, um, I, I was definitely scared. Um, but what I learned was that the health department, they're not the enemy at all. They are, um, they have the best interests of our campers at heart as well. And they just want everyone to be healthy. And, um, you know, now I know everybody at the local health department and I, I don't hesitate to call them up or even invite them out to camp if I have any questions. And they are a fantastic resource for us. That's an excellent, excellent point. Yeah, they are not yeah. the enemy. Yeah, exactly. Gab, do you yeah. guys have a good relationship with the local health department? Um, I wouldn't say we do. Uh, I think uh, I think that uh, um, we're struggling with our municipalities right now, and um, and it's a very small. We're a very small municipality, and. Uh, uh, our health department is really, really, um, I think, run thin, basically, right. where they have a, a lot of land to cover and uh, very little time. So I was, I was just looking, listening to Marty, and I was thinking, wow, that would be really lovely to develop such a, a relationship. But um, I think they're, they're spread a little thin, actually. I'm going to give you some insight on, on the health inspectors looking at some of the, some of the districts they, they covered. Uh, the district, districts that they cover, for the most part, and I won't speak in for the health departments I've been involved in, the inspectors take their districts as their own. And it's personal, personal to them that things don't happen in their district because uh, someone would always look at and say, what, what are you doing? What are you doing wrong out there? So they, most inspectors that I know have taken it personal that this is my, my nursing home or this is my camp. I want it to run properly because I don't want things to fall, fall apart in those particular uh, instances. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So um, it, uh, I've had a, a Norwalk experience as well, and, and we had probably a third of the camp go down with it one summer, and that changed a lot of, of our protocols. And I, I do want to talk about protocols and how we deal with these things. Um, but are there, what are some of the other things that, that we could be, it, that would fill, fall into this category, John, of curable the, disease? The, the protocol, and, and, and we heard uh, earlier about uh, uh, talking to the, the parents before the, before the kids got to, uh, I use kids, yeah. um, quotations, kids got to the camp. I think that's a wonderful protocol because you don't know whether the kid, kid brought that into camp, a staph infection, a strep, whatever it is, or you didn't prepare the food properly, or you haven't, haven't been testing the water, or the kid's been eating the berries and getting sick from that. Right. I think uh, if, if a bunch of kids were eating berries, as an example, there wouldn't be a lot of them. But I would say after three people, we're talking outbreak. After three people, look at, we've got an outbreak here. I think you sh should use that, that criteria. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would, I would uh, stress is education. The people that are looking at your food and your water, uh, make sure they are responsible 
and and uh, are recording their recording their results of whether it's a if you have a swimming pool or you're looking at uh, time and temperatures of preparing the food storing the food have some type of protocol where they're every day they're monitoring and writing down and they they know they're responsible because they sign their name uh, make it make it their responsibility I think if you put more responsibility on those folks um, they'll look after it a little bit better that's that's what we've learned um, I've always used to uh, I'm sure you've heard this term before, HACCP, Hazard Analysis Critical, critical Control Point. If you haven't, if, if the staff haven't bought into that or haven't learned about that, I would emphasize they should get into that. Learn what can go wrong and how it does go wrong, whether the, as an example, the, uh, uh, the pH of particular food is, is conducive to growing bacteria. And if they take a HACCP course, they'll learn all that sort of stuff. And I really can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. Are there other, um, other diseases or symptoms that would raise a red flag of this is an outbreak or this is something that's traveling through the population? Other than you explosive diarrhea? The I, I would I would say I would say in intest intestinal the one that I see most of the time in this intestinal type disease whether right. it's obviously um, kids are throwing up and the kids are th these are easy signs um, if they're eating as I always bring up eating berries if they're if their face is turning red or um, can't breathe properly obviously you can look that way but usually that doesn't happen for the most part with food and or water. So I would say intestinal type things where they're throwing up in diarrhea. Th those are easy. Right, right. Yeah, that's great. So that, that starts us down, I think, the protocol discussion. Um, and I know that there are lots of great things we can do. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes developing an awareness in your staff, and I don't know if you found this too, Marty, but really developing that awareness in your staff is important. And sometimes getting them to understand some basic con concepts of public health. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until, um, I guess, so we had one major outbreak and then one minor outbreak. Sounds a bit like your, your experience, Marty, um, where we knew it was coming we could tell we'd had three or four people sick and we could tell that we had to do something drastic mm -hmm. the second mm -hmm. time. Um, and it took me and the nurse and I going to um, taking all the staff and explaining what um, how transmission worked mm -hmm. for Norwalk and what it, what was meant by like what washing your hands do does. And for us, that, that took me saying, you need to understand what the fecal oral transmission route means mm -hmm. is that by not washing your hands, you're transferring fecal matter from yourself to another person or another person's transferring it mm -hmm. to you. And that's, that's a, a big way of, of transmission. And, and it was at that point I could see light bulbs going up in their head. They're like, okay, I'm going to get some really serious about cleaning. Yeah. I think it's been proven time after time after time in many imperial kill, uh, cases, mm -hmm. uh, that if more, the, the more the people wash their hands, the less the disease will spread as it was brought up just yeah. moments ago. Yeah. I think that is key. As a matter of fact, they're even seeing that in hospitals. Some of the people that aren't washing their hands in hospitals, and quite often it's, it's doctors, doctors and nurses, yeah. and they're, they're with the patients uh, every day. And so the washing hands is the key to it. Right. You can pick up on the, on the other, other methodologies of, of spreading it, but that's the one that people, they use your hands on fulmites, do, uh, doorknobs, towels, this and that. Uh, yeah. and, uh, uh, as Marty said earlier, and washing them down on a regular basis. Right. Right. 
But we're fortunate enough to, you know, um, Travis, you talk about, you know, telling those those stories, to communicating that to the staff as far as the education piece. Um, we have enough staff, we're still working at camp, who were campers during the most recent outbreak, or even a couple of staff who were, uh, who were working then. And um, during staff training, I let them talk a little bit about the miserable experience it is yes. to go through that kind of outbreak at camp. And, um, you know, so there's, there's enough people who still remember the, the, how miserable it was to, um, and, and I think it really drives the point home, you know, 20 years from now, we probably won't be telling the exact same stories because there won't be, you know, anyone around who specifically remembers it. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's the way we, during staff training, we kind of communicate that now is have people tell some of those stories. Yeah. I, th- I think that most people, working in whether it's a camp or restaurant a facility I think it will never happen there right I can two instances I would like to bring up that very very important happen uh, in in our area one was uh, many years ago uh, we had an inspector out looking at a handicap um, hospital um, they were handicapped and uh, the inspector did the HACCP inspection and it turned out okay this particular day and the next day three people died Three people died, and it was from, basically, it was from Spanish cream. So we taught them, and they didn't do it the next day. The other, the other point, was, and it was brought up earlier, the fact, talk to your people. Don't lie to the inspector. Don't lie to the health unit. It'll come back. It'll come back. It'll be blowback to you, let me tell you. Um, we had an episode here called Walkerton, and it, it was involved water, and uh, it ended up that... The person looking after the water system for a municipality lied to the inspector. After the inspector was trying to ascertain whether it was the water, he lied and said that, yeah, he put uh, sodium hypochlorite in the water, chlorine in the water. He lied, so the inspector looked at, started looking at the food. 2,000 people got sick, seven people died. His children are still being treated for it. Right. So openness, honesty is, is, is key with yeah. the health unit. Um, Marty, what are some camp-specific protocols that you developed once they have an understanding of it? What, what did you change? I know you mentioned quickly hand-washing, but, but what are some of the physical protocols that you said you used to develop? Yeah, John had talked about the research that goes into, you know, people are just healthier when they wash their hands mm-hmm. more. One of the things that we talked through with our health department is um, not only a hand-washing piece, but what's everything in camp that those hands are touching? Yes. And so um, twice a week, every single week, we do a thorough cleaning of our dining hall. Um, we'll pop all the tables, we'll um, move those out of the way, we'll bleach the, the floor down, and then we'll, um, we'll actually uh, bleach all the tables down as well twice a week. And, you know, because that's a place that everyone at camp gathers three times a day. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a big one for us. And as soon as we started doing that, not just with, with you know, outbreaks, but also just, you know, the common cold at camp. We were just a healthier camp in general uh, once we, we started doing that. Um, you know, I think uh, a, a really simple thing that we started talking to staff with, and this comes with that education piece, is, um, you know, let's suppose a cabin group is camping out and um, someone brings a bag of chips um, for snack, and that becomes the community bag of chips. Yes. Well, instantly, um, you know, you're sharing all those germs that are on the kids and the counselors' hands by by sharing that community bag of chips. So we stopped doing that, you know, and um, 
whether it's a gloved hand reaching into the bag and, and providing individual portions or doing the smaller individual bags of chips. Um, but it was little things like that that honestly we had not thought of before that have made a really big difference. And when you had, um, you said you added hand washing on the way into the dining hall, did you have to physically make something, add in a hand washing station? We did. It was kind of ironic. Um, during our outbreak in 2005, the hand washing procedure we had at that time was something that the health department had told us to do many years earlier. Um, and we hadn't really checked in with them um, to see if that was still a good procedure and it was um, we had a solution in a bucket that everyone was dipping their hands in as they went into the dining hall and uh, kind of you know part of their um, investigation found that uh, even though they had told us to do that several years earlier research had um, uh, shown that by doing that we were probably spreading the norovirus more than we were doing any good right, right. so um, it was right after that 2005 outbreak that we built um, two hand-washing troughs um, just outside the dining hall. So the procedure is now we call the cabin groups over one or two groups at a time. Each, you know, the, the counselors are there to supervise the kids actually washing their hands at the trough. You know, they grab a paper towel, they head up the ramp into the dining hall. And so it's, it's literally the last thing they do prior to going into the dining hall. Right. That's excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Because I know, I mean, it, it, when campers are lined up to go in for, for a meal, um, in our case, it would be usually the program director that would let them in um, once the you know, mealtime and everything was ready in the dining hall. And sometimes it would be me, and I would try to get my program directors to say, to check with each counselor, have you, has your cabin washed your hands? And 90% of the time, the answer is no. I was like, okay, go wash your hands then before we... Um, and, and John, I don't know if this is effective or not, but like once we got them more into the habit of washing their hands on their way in, um, or before they sort of got there. So it was hand washing, stand in line, go in, um, which I realize is another opportunity for contamination just mm -hmm. standing around there. Mm -hmm. But um, there was um, antibacterial squirt stuff yep. once they yep. got inside of the yep. tables. Is well, that a great effect? idea? The yeah. more the more uh, um, equipment, quote unquote, yeah. um, those little yeah. sprayers yeah. or whatever methodology you're, you're using, I would encourage that. The other thing I would add to it, if uh, every once in a while I would uh, um, do the same thing with the equipment, footballs, frisbees, that type of thing as well, because right. it's outside, it can be contaminated very, very easily, the ground and what have you. So I would do that to the equipment as well. And just sort of spray mm -hmm. with a bleach and water mix? Absolutely, Yeah. absolutely. There's no, there's no downside to that. Right. Well, so, and one, one protocol that is... touched by hand, Marty. And not just the dining hall things you touch by hand, but the others. Well, and one protocol that, I, I, that we adopted um, that I forgot to mention has also been very helpful for us is um, anytime there's a report of a camper or staff member having diarrhea or vomiting, um, wherever that is around camp, um, it has become a common practice to immediately go bleach that area, whether it was yep, in, yep. in a restroom or in a cabin or wherever that was. And, you know, at camp sometimes, you know, campers or staff have, you know, like chugging contests, you know, with, you know, the water pitcher and that might cause them to vomit. So it doesn't matter if it's because of illness or because of that chugging contest. Yes. You know, we, we, we make sure that we bleach down that area um, immediately. Right. Yeah. Kids are going to, 
kids are going to have fun doing a variety of activities amongst themselves. So um, you can't protect everything, but you can do your best. Right. Right. Gap, what sort of things do you do at Waro for, what are the protocols for you folks? I think, um, like Marty said, is disinfect. If if we know of somebody that is ill, uh, disinfecting their sleeping area, um, um, all of the bathrooms that we have, um, our leadership team actually, um, you know, part of their job training is we show them like here's a pair of gloves. This is how you um, this is how you make the mix. This is how you wipe down the bathrooms. Like we actually go through that and. Um, we have we have somebody that does clean our, our washrooms daily, and she's really really good. Um, but we don't want her to be going around. We do it pretty much almost every uh, every two hours. We're going and disinfecting the washrooms, um, the doorknobs, the everything. Um, and I think anybody that's gone through um, half their camp, or you know, just even like you know, over twenty people being sick. Um, you don't want that to happen again. And so it's the priority is, is making sure that, that we're stopping that um, contagion from going further. And then, of course, um, the health center is, is it's very, very essential that whoever goes into the health center, is it really because they're sick? Are they home lonely? Are they? Because once they go in, that is, that is a, a place where it's a quarantine, basically. And we don't want um, people coming and going because they, they have you know, the difference between a first aid situation and being sick. So um, even changing how where they get their first aid done um, so that those kids that are or staff members that if they sprain their ankle, they're not going to the place where, where there are people that are actually um, could be contagious. So uh, those things we also we also shift. Um, I had a question, though, however, and maybe you answered it. I was um, I dropped out of Skype for a little bit. But um, did you talk about Purell at all? We did. We did. Okay. Um, I had said that we had have kids wash their hands on the way into the dining hall, and then when they get to the tables, they get a, a squirt of, of that stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah, one, one question I would like uh, some um, do, do the camps explain to the, the children the, the rationale for doing this? And is there, a, is there a session for the campers as they come in to say, okay, we're trying to keep you healthy? Is a half hour spent with them to um, advise them if you're sick? see this person don't spread it i mean is there some type of education um focus on that yeah i, I mean for us there is i mean it's a way of also our campers meeting our healthcare professional um but it's also about um just even showing them how to cough properly or sneeze um into their mm -hmm. basically yeah. their elbow yeah. non to their hands like these type of things our healthcare professional says and 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 they meet them individually as well but we do do a talk on the importance on, on washing their hands, and I think that that's part of it. But again, it's it's sometimes it's a, an experience that that causes you to sort of say like these are things that are very important, um, so that we don't have that experience again. And they're so used to it now yeah. that uh, uh, that I mean it it's, it's it goes hand in hand with also lice, right. basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're talking we talk about those things and sharing hairbrushes and yeah. hats and. Uh, all of our kids, our hair is—it's always tied up. All of them know it's tied up. That's they brush their hair in the morning, then it gets tied up and braids or whatever. So that kind of those things, I think, is—it's an important part of. It's also them learning how to take care of themselves. It's not yeah. a bad yeah. thing. Uh, uh, one yeah. point. One point I would like to stress is the fact that 
regardless of what we do, it's going to happen. Right. It's it's it is going to happen. Um, and I I would just make sure that you have all the dots, eyes dot, t's crossed on your protocols, because if the health department comes in, uh, they're going to look at what you've done in the past, and if you have if you run in a haphazard camp, they're going to they're going to look at you a little more carefully, and they won't be your friends after a while because they'll come down on you left, right, and center and cost you money. Uh, you know, yeah, so I would make sure your protocols are set up and, and be honest with the health health inspectors and ask for help. Right. And well documented. Well documented. Yeah. That's due diligence. Yeah. And I have always told all the restaurants that I've ever inspected, that's the number one thing I've always told them. You start right beside your walk-in coolers or your fridges, you put all the fridges down, you put all the freezers down, and somebody is responsible for putting those temperatures down every single day. And if there is a problem, you mark it in red, and that means get it fixed now. And so if an inspector comes in, if there's a problem, you say, we, we were doing this. And the inspector will say, okay, we're not going to look at this particular area. So that's due diligence. Yeah. Good. Um. I think that uh, we're getting close to the end of, of this discussion. Certainly, to the length of time we've allotted for it, I bet there's a lot more we could talk about, sure. um, <clears throat> and a lot more ideas that that we could share. Uh, I want to say that um, have a have an eye if you're listening to this just the audio version in your phone, then go to camphacker.tv/podcast and. Um, and, and look up the show notes for this. What I'm going to try to do is find the what we call the kitchen compliance record that that I created um, when we were at camp. That was the thing that John's talking mm -hmm. about. It was the fridges and their temperatures, the freezers and their temperatures, the time and the the the, the time is checked in the person's initials. Um, we also included that the counters have been wiped down with the bleach mm -hmm. solution and and you know the doors in the kitchen and all that. Um, so I'll, I'll put that out there for free if people want. Um, I by the time the show notes are ready, when this gets launched on your on your um, phone that you're listening to this, that I should have found that, or at least know if I can find that compliance record or find it, get it from somebody else. Um, so that'll be available. Uh, Marty, I wonder if you have any final thoughts on this topic before we move on. Yeah, I think um, a couple. I, I guess I just want to reemphasize a couple of things that John said as far as. Um, uh, you know, reaching out to uh, your local health department, um, creating if and you know, and if you don't know your local health department officials, call them up. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, it's it's not uncommon for me to call them in the middle of the summer and say, "Hey, we had this come up. I have a question." Or um, you know, if, if any new um, uh, protocols come out regarding this particular thing. But um, you know, one thing I tell our staff in the summertime, if if your job is easy, you're doing it wrong. Hmm. And I think that is, um, can really, uh, um, I think, I think that's also applicable to health at camp is, um, it's hard to do all of these things thoroughly every single day to make sure that your campers are healthy. Um, and so, yeah, I would just say that, um, you know, lay out your protocols and procedures, um, specifically assign people to do those things as John was talking about with the temperatures on your refrigerators. Um, and then just, um, have follow through and make sure they're getting taken care of every day. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, some supervisor to just check on that regularly. Yeah. Yeah, great. 
Well, thanks for your insight on that, Marty. We're not going to go yet. I have a couple of other, a few more things we're going to do in the show, but thanks in this particular discussion. John, is there anything else you want to add? Um, yeah, we haven't spoken, um, talked about uh, uh, other things like that can spread disease. Yeah. Pools, right. um, the same, same as the food. Um, I don't know what uh, what happens in your particular areas, but uh, uh, recording um, uh, pH and chlorine residuals where there's iodine or uh, anything else that's disinfecting your pools. If you have pools, or, or I asked Travis about spas, but not many camps have spas or jacuzzis. Um, that, uh, I've always known that uh, jacuzzis are... I don't go into jacuzzis because <laughs> it spreads pseudomonas aeruginosa and, and it's a respiratory problem and it's very, very bad. I'm sure you don't have them. But pools uh, always was a worry to me as much as the food aspect of it and it's very easily spread. Uh, the same as the protocol for recording the time and temperature, what have you, or the temperatures of the, of the walk-in coolers and fridges, what have you, um, make sure the same due diligence for the pools because it, it, disease can spread just as fast, even faster. From the so, yep. yeah, good. Thank you. Gab, do you have any final thoughts? Um, it's just, I mean, it's just nice to have John on the show and like, you know, with his, with his knowledge and, and, uh, experience, I find I took a whole bunch of notes just sort of, um, I like due diligence, I think is, is sort of key. And, and, um, I think it comes back to training our staff. We talk about that often, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. how do we train our staff? How do we not only just talk about it, but, um, illustrate it um, to them the importance of uh, making sure that their kids are washing their hands, that their their hair is being you know tied back properly, that uh, their nails are being clipped properly. Like you know all those things. How do you illustrate it? And we can probably talk and brainstorm about some ideas on how some organizations do that. And um, also for Marty with being um, transparent uh, about your experience, we always learn from that. And I definitely did. So I'm yeah. just happy. Good. Meet you guys. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, that's great. So thank you very much to all of you for a good discussion on communicable diseases at camp. That means that this takes us to our tool of the week. Tool of the week. So for those of you who are listening for the first time, um, we encourage you again to go to, to camphacker.tv slash podcast and um, find the show notes because you will see the links to all of these different things that we're going to talk about um, in our tool. Every panelist we've asked to come here and present a tool that does make them a better camp director, or in John's case, a, a tool that would help us be better camp directors and look after our community better. Um, and they're not going to all be they're not going to be focused on on our particular topic just something that is a great resource uh and gab i'd like to start with your tool what's it gab you're muted yes that happened sorry <laughs> my tool, <laughs> my bad uh my tool is um it's just a twitter app for your desktop so um i'm really trying to tweet more and uh I have such a hard time because it's like out of sight, out of mind, unless I check it on my phone. Um, and um, and we did a podcast a while back that like all the bells and the whistles distract you from what you're concentrating on. So I turned that off off of my off my cell phone because it was being so much. And uh, anyways, so uh, one of my staff members said, you know, you can just put it on your desktop, and there's a little birdie that appears at the top. 
And when it's blue, that means you have a message. And when it's black, that means you've checked all your messages. And it's really easy to retweet things and all this. Anyways, I've had it for a couple of days now. And I love it. And um, I don't check it regularly. Uh, I don't check it all the time every time the bird turns blue. But I do it like at lunchtime and then at the end of the day and just see what, what people are up to. And and then it allows me to, to tweet some more often. So for people that already tweet and they're already, you know, great at it, I don't I don't think it's necessarily useful. But for those that are really trying to be more proactive, and I know that there's some directors that are trying to and 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 uh, Twitter's a little bit bizarre to them, this is a great way to just see how other people are doing it, follow other people and um just having it on your desktop. It's fun. I really I'm enjoying it. So Good. that's my that's my tool of the week. It's great. So we'll have a link to that in the show yep. notes. Okay. Good. Um and Marty, what's your tool? Uh, my tool is a book titled Season of Life. Uh, the author is Jeffrey Marks. And I read this book about five or six years ago. And um, it uh, was very inspiring to me. And uh, what, it, what that tool has done for me at camp is it has helped create some uh, great discussion uh, points and created some common language with our specifically our male counselors. Um, the book is great for um, football fans because it's about a high school football coach who um, based on some of his own experiences and what he, he thinks uh, the messages are from society about what it takes to, quote, be a man. Um, he's just not happy about that. And so he um, creates a different message for his football players. And um, breaking it down very simply, um, the, uh, the coach states that what he thinks society tells young boys that it takes to be a man are things like sexual conquest, making lots and lots of money or being an outstanding athlete. And if you're not one of those th three things, then you're less of a man. And he changes that message. And what he tells his players is that being a man is um, more about um, uh, having positive interpersonal relationships with everyone you come, come in contact with and being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And that's an easy um, message to talk about at camp that being being a part of something bigger than yourself uh, you know for him it was um, uh, his football team and you know when his players graduated from high school hopefully they they um, latched on to, to something else that was important uh, and positive uh, and at camp we can we can talk a lot about that you know the interpersonal relationships and being a, a part of something bigger than yourself and it's really created a lot um, more um, like I said common uh, language and discussion points with our male staff about how are we going to be positive role models for uh, the young boys who come through camp. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So people can find those links on the website. Uh, John, what's your tool? Uh, my tool is uh, with, with some background. Uh, I knew the, uh, a lady that was starting a restaurant by, by happenstance, happening my sister. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, Sandy, you should take a, a HACCP course. Has a protocol course from the local health department, and she did, and it was a week length course. And she came back next time we talked. She says, "John, I don't know how anybody can take a, you know, open a restaurant without taking this course. I learned so much. Uh, everybody that's handling food in the kitchen or has some involvement should take a hazard hazard analysis, critical control point, uh, edu food education protocol course." Uh, I think it's uh, there's no downside and there's terribly great upside to it. Mm -hmm. So I encourage that. That's great. Um, 
So in Ontario, those are available through the local health departments? Local health units, yes. Right. Mm. Or through commu community colleges as well. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and they are certainly available North America-wide. It oh, seems they're likely worldwide. Absolutely. Started, uh, HACCP started, as I understand, way back with the Pillsbury uh, um, company way yeah. back when. And, and NASA took over during the, the Challenger period, of, as I understand. They were involved in that. And so it's been around a long time. And it, uh, I think if you look at the critical co control points, that can go wrong. Um, you'll be better off. That's great. Thank you for one that fits the discussion so here, well. Here. Thank you. Um, mine doesn't fit the discussion so well, but I still think it's an important tool. Um, I've been, we've talked about this in the show before, focus is one of my big challenges in life. Uh, and um, I have been using a website that I find quite fun called um, focusatwill.com, which puts on music that, um, it has no lyrics, so it doesn't really catch your attention. It's good background music. It'll go on for a certain amount of time. You can set the time. Um, it's defaults an hour, um, and we'll ring a bell at the end of that. So that does it does two things. It, it encourages me, or just sort of helps me focus during that time, um, and keep on task um, because I'm not distracted by the music I'm listening to or or that it gives a bit of a, a mental theme to what's going on. But I like that it rings a bell at the end of the time and makes me take a break. Like that makes me, I find that um, the, the best thing for me getting stuff done, working long, long hours, um, is remember to take breaks. And that makes a bigger difference than actually doubling down on my concentration. So um, that focus at will is, is a great tool for that for me. And I, I encourage you to check it out. It's free. You uh, sign up, but it uh, doesn't cost anything. And that, that brings us to the end of the show. So I want to thank um, the three of you for joining me on the Camp Hacker podcast. Uh, Gab, if people have any questions or want to contact you, where do they do that? Um, well, they can check out where I work at waro.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Gabrielle Rail. And um, if you have any questions, it's Gab's, G-A-B-Z, at waro.com. Great. Uh, and Gabrielle Rail has two L's at the end. It does not like the railroad. Yeah, it's long friendship. Um, yeah. Two else, excellent. Thanks. So, Marty, if people want to follow what you're doing or check out your camp or get in touch with you, what would be the best way for that? Yeah, we're uh, on the internet at uh, campchiefuray.org, and Uray is O-U-R-A-Y. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook, and if anyone has any specific uh, questions, uh, you can reach me at mferguson at ymcarockies.org. That's great. Uray has almost as much, almost as strong a vowel to consonant ratio as Waro does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and John, thank you very much for being on the show. It's it been great. Great, great, great fun. Um, so the best way, if you have any questions for John, is to get in touch through me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so email me, and I'll ask him, and I'll pass on on the answers. Um, but we would encourage you to check out your local health unit and and talk to them and and establish a good relationship with them. Um, and get this. But if you have any questions, email John through me, Travis at socialcatalyst.ca. Uh, and I encourage you again to go to camphacker.tv slash podcast and uh, find the show notes. If you like watching the video of these shows, um, you can find that, you can find camphacker.tv on YouTube. And we hope that you go there and subscribe to that. That's um, really helpful for us. Uh, you can also find 
camphacker.tv, on iTunes, the Blackberry Podcast Store, etc. We hope that you'll encourage that you'll encourage your friends, your camp friends, and share the show. Um, encourage everyone to download the the shows and subscribe there. And that's it. Thank you very much for a great show, everybody. Thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Building great camp community at camphacker.org.